0: I'm in like near your neck of the woods right now. Sort of. I mean, you're closer than you normally are. Yes, this Walt is. True. I'm on the other coast. We're on the same time zone, which yes, is a big the, deal. Which is it makes it a lot easier for scheduling because you don't have it to worry about really translating. Do you know, it's like not only like three hours is actually a lot of a time difference. <laughs> it's it's yes yes it is. <laughs> and then it's also uh, it is also um, when you're scheduling it, you're like, wait, was that your time or my time? you said exactly. that time right <laughs> it's just it's always i'm getting pretty good about saying like my time like 10 30 my time or something like that right, so right but yes i'm on your coast right now so i'm currently uh in uh new Jersey, new Jersey, mm-hmm. and uh staying with the last for a bit uh our friends the lasts and um i'm at on um, jbl's setup here i'm enjoying his chair oh it's he, he's it's very fancy chair pick. is it not the backs the lower back supports really nice that's great. Actually, I'm happy although I'm you. a little short for this desk, so the chair is kind of up right now. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I, I'm on my first kind of study break for the year right now. And so the, for the first week, I spent it at uh, St. Joseph's uh, Seminary in Edmonton. That's my okay. alma mater. And while I was there, God, I got to meet a bunch of seminarians. I, of course, you know, like was hucking the, uh, the podcast at them saying, you better listen to this uh, or else you'll be a bad priest yeah i mean fair. right that this is fair right like i think <laughs> if you want to be a good priest you just listen to our podcast there's formation and then there's the real formation you know exactly 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 but no i had a great time there you know what i, I don't know how you feel about this but it's like one thing i always love when i go back to the seminary or something like that is is the praying the pre community yes yes it can be refreshing a, you slow the heck down. <laughs> mm-hmm. The morning prayer is no longer prayer prayed in five to seven minutes. It's prayed in 15 minutes. I know. 15 whole minutes for morning prayer ridiculous. And it's kind of nice because you kind of delight in God's word. And you sure. let it seep in. And it's way better.
1: You know, I'll be honest, though. In seminary, I remember thinking, uh, morning prayer takes so long. I just want to do it by myself so I have more time for breakfast. So maybe you're just holier than me
0: that could be possibly it <laughs> it's a possibility uh, it's a possibility so uh, no uh, i saw um one of my friends there too and listener of the show turlock who was very insistent on making me something irish for dinner so we had an irish stew okay which was delicious and and soda bread because he says every time you guys talk about going to someone's house for dinner or something like that you always have something italian and so, yeah. like, I want to give you, I want to give you the Irish experience. So, oh, I actually oh. got to know him. I actually did his wedding and his wife. I got to know his wife through swing dancing way back in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, I did their wedding five years ago now. And their little daughter, Alora, two years old, adorable. So, I hung out with their place, and then I just, uh, we, there was like this little French cultural center. They had some live music, and we stood outside, had a beer afterwards, and just hung out and listened to live music. It was great. That sounds wonderful. It was kind of awesome. So, yeah, visiting and I visited some friends, the Rouleaus and stuff like that and saw some priest friends as well. And I mean, I tried very hard. Actually, like, I'm actually kind of proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I, on purpose, didn't tell a lot of my friends that I was even going to be there. Okay. Because if I did, I would just socialize the whole time. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of being away is to study. So and have you been studying? I have. I actually wrote about 12 pages, type pages of chapter two, which is yeah, good. Go uh, it's when I start f- Kind of proud of this. It's kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. When I was at the library, though, at Newman College, I'm like, I wish I was home right now. Mm-hmm. Because I need my access to my Ratzinger library, which is better.
1: That's... <laughs> Kind of ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I actually just dropped $800 and bought seven more volumes of the complete works in German.
1: Holy smokes. I kind of need them.
0: I guess so. I actually really need them. But I, I also, in the process of all this, I've, I have lost one of my supervisors. I've now gained a new one from actually, and he's from uh, Is your Loyola. supervisor okay? Yeah. Just, okay. Didn't wander just, off into the woods or something. I mean the woods in UK, really, it's not really that haunting.
1: Okay. It just, you know, these academic types, sometimes their brains can break and they might just, you know.
0: Yeah. So, but yeah, so I got a new one there, which is good. And so this week I'm just doing some more writing, but I'm at that point now. I'm like, oh, I really kind of, I need to be back home. Mm-hmm. So, and just pray that we find someone for our office. Because right,
1: so you need someone... Before you I left have zero employees right now.
0: Before I left, I was going a little insane. Yeah, I was kind of burning out actually. I was just don't
1: worry, just, all that
0: insanity will be waiting for you. I know this is what I'm anxious about. Fair enough. So, lots going on there. Yeah, so then I'm going off to the community conference. We'll talk about or probably more about next week when I get cool. back from that. But, uh, so yeah, lots going on um but it's been i think so far this week's not been so productive yet but hopefully that'll change today so speaking of productivity welcome to clerically speaking i'm father harrison
1: i'm father anthony this is the most productive thing i'll do all day actually it's not true i'll be doing a few more things i've got a meeting after this and then um, we're having this big october fest and um, our youth minister joni who's wonderful Very creative. She's doing a promo for uh, Mm Oktoberfest. And part of our Oktoberfest is going to be a beer stein holding competition. So arms straight out holding a full stein of beer. With beer in it? Was that?
0: With beer in it.
1: Yeah, with beer in it. Yeah, full stein of beer. And whoever can hold their arms straight out the longest wins some sort of prize. So she has envisioned some sort of uh, Rocky training montage video with myself and the pastor doing different things. And so I will look very silly uh, for the sake of my parish. So that will be a productive thing I will do somehow. But what's more important is I, I have a question for you, Father Harrison,
0: um, uh, a moral question. Well, okay, before you get to the moral question here. Okay. I actually do. I have a question. I, I yeah. can actually moral question too. But Fair. In, what if someone drops the mug of beer? Oh, definitely
1: mortal sin straight to hell. You can't waste good beer. Like
0: yeah. That. like Why don't you just put water on it in it?
1: Well, I think it's part of the motivation. This is a very a do or do not. There is no try.
0: You're trying you to win. To your pride, all. your pride is on the line. That that's all that matters is your pride. Yeah.
1: Well, pr- pride and I think an extra motivation, if you spill all of your beer, like the the motivation to not commit a heinous, damnable party foul, I think yeah. that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, okay. Okay. I mean, there'll be priests at the Oktoberfest. We can hear confessions afterwards. So we've got all of our bases covered.
0: I'm a little hesitant about this rule. Well, that's what's going to happen. We're, we're going to do it. I look forward to hearing how many Stein, And this is like the one-liter stein, right? Yeah, it's like a real... Mm-hmm. Okay, good. This like the real deal. Not not this like pitiful like half-liter or anything like that. I think
1: so. I'll have to check it out, what kind of steins we have. I haven't looked at the uh, merchandise yet.
0: I feel like you're not like. You don't understand the German beer culture yet. Uh, No, I don't. Yeah, you need to. You need to. Dude, it's the best. Is it you, gotta, you actually okay? Just quickly, because you actually have to look at, at like some videos online about like the Hofbra House and like how many steins of beers these people can carry at once to table, mm-hmm. and they'll like stack them sometimes even, and, and like they'll be carrying like sixteen steins of beer somehow. It is, and these are all one liters, like they're carrying sixteen liters plus the glass, yeah, to tables without really spilling any of the beer. It is, it's amazing, and you need well, to fill this up.
1: Believe it or not, my my parish in in Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, we're not going that hardcore with this stuff. We're just having some fun. Just is that okay? Or allowed to have some I mean, fun? Father but, but I mean, like
0: like carrying sixteen steins of beer at once would be fun. Like that's where I was kind of hoping the competition was going to go. No, we're How not doing How many that. could you carry? Yeah. How many? No, could just you carry.
1: one. It's an endurance test more than a uh, okay. Okay. pure strength test.
0: All right, you can okay. ask your question now. But
1: I have an important moral question. Yes, in regards a uh, visitation I had the other day, mm-hmm. lovely family in the parish. Uh, invited me over for dinner very happy to go they're all great Um, I forgot they listened to the podcast so they made several references to the podcast I was like it's just weird but anyway so it's all good Um, they have many children their oldest boy wanted to play a game of Pokemon cards against me okay now I am an elder uh, millennial. I collected Pokemon cards back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never actually played the game, but you know, I'm, I played magic cards. Catch, like I'm dead. Let's catch, do this. You gotta catch them all. Exactly. So he's like, what deck do you want to use? And I say, well, you know, I'm your, uh, I'm your guest and I'm a priest, you know, with that information in mind, you choose the deck you think I should use. Yeah, Okay. Cause I didn't know. I, well, okay. For, and for context. How old? Oh, how old is, um, uh roughly i didn't i don't know he's a altar server at my parish
0: i know but it's like grade five grade 12 grade not grade one 12.
1: i don't know they're all this just to me
0: well no but this is important information to determine the moral seriousness of you, the problem that you're probably about, about to tell me i mean he's you know he's very much able to
1: discern right and wrong okay He's received First Communion like a long time ago. He's like, yeah, I don't, probably so 9, like 10. Old? I don't know. Damien, okay. I'm sorry. I don't know how old you are, okay? Okay. All right. All right. all right. all right. Fine. I don't want to insult you. Okay. Um. Anyway, we start playing Pokemon cards. Great. Having a lot of fun. Starts off pretty competitive, and then all of a sudden, he plays a few cards, and I just get utterly and completely destroyed. You know, I shake his hand, say good game, and his little sister says but why did you give Father the really bad deck? And I look up at Damien, and he has this look on his face, knowing full well that he purposely gave me one With of his deck. worst decks to play yeah. against. Yeah. Right? So,
0: like, if he were to go to confession, like, how many Hail Marys would you give him? Oh, I would give him zero, because I would applaud him for, for such a move. What? <laughs> because the only thing that matters in life is winning. <laughs> and clearly you don't care enough about winning because you couldn't even. i mean clearly you couldn't even use the deck that was given to you to bring about winning uh, here's you, the thing though <laughs> i was really clowning, counting on clericalism like i
1: thought this this guy damien i thought he was a good holy young man you know i've seen uh-huh. him altar serve before he seems very pious i assumed yeah. that he would just give the priest the best deck but i was wrong
0: no but it's like would jesus take the best deck he emptied himself this doesn't sound very canonic to take the best deck
1: okay so i I, are you saying that i lost pokemon cards for his sins is that is that what
0: i mean i'm not not saying it
1: it's very we're stretching this metaphor a bit okay fine you've um uh ruined this whole thing i thought
0: you were gonna help me shame this young man oh, gosh, uh, into no. apologizing to me but, listen uh, no. anything that deals with your humiliation i applaud because it leads you to holiness and mm. i want i want your sanctification mm. fine um we could also sanctify ourselves through some more what, what, what did we call it again last week? Uh, uh theological emergencies no do i don't I, I don't i don't have a i don't have access to it right now oh i do i know but i can't i won't be able to hear it
1: okay what do you want to do then
0: the thing we did last week with the new bumper
1: oh what was it i know i can't remember now all right nick play the bumper
0: you know the bumper nick
1: I was praying in the chapel late one night When my mind was pondering a thought so right Yes, my brain and theology gave me a surprise And new speculations began to arise It was so brash It was a theological trash It was so brash Just speculative trash It was so brash It gave me a rash It was so brash Theological trash
0: All right. Um, I had one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So here's my whatever we call our segment with the new awesome bumper. By the way, like like Nick is just a pro at this. I, I yes. I want. I want people. Need, what if? What if for some reason they missed last week's episode? Right. Like just, well, then they have if, to go back and listen to the new bumper, or they can hear it again today. Okay. And then go back and listen to because we need all those downloads. Always. Absolutely. Right. All right. All right. All right. Um, so I. Uh, had a nice little conversation. One of the things I did when I was finishing up my time at Edmonton is I went out for dinner with a priest friend of mine, Father John Kohler, just catching up. And, and we were talking, And as we do. Uh, he's finishing his PhD in biblical studies from the Greg. Um, and we've talked about the tradening before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I am a big proponent of the tradening. Yes. Uh, I think it's a very important thing. And I want to bring up something, tread. Yes. Yeah, and I want to bring up something that we've talked about. It's been a long time since we talked about something liturgical like this. I think so. I just want True. to kind of bring it up for a few minutes. It's just okay. I believe that the single best thing the church could do today, in terms of healing liturgical divisions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and in terms of orienting ourselves the right way towards the Lord, is to universalize ad worship.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with that, but why do you think that would be unifying? I think that would make a lot of people cranky.
0: I think it'll make people cranky at first. Mm. so I think first things that would happen is it would those who have been like attracted to the Latin mass would find something healing in this orientation of prayer. I think that would be a very good thing because there's a lot of people hurting, yes, uh from recent rulings on on how prominent the latin mass the extraordinary form can be so that's the first thing the second thing is it removes the personality of the priest correct as you know and and i i think that's a really big thing actually more the more i think about it because i hear often of priests who will just start ad-libbing the liturgy stuff sometimes because And they'll put in a lot of personal jokes and all this stuff. But nothing says office of the priesthood, like not seeing the priest. Mm -hmm. As I listen now, I I recognize that one has to be um, prudent about these things. And as much as I love it, I recognize it's probably not a right timing. And at least in my situation and stuff like this, Uh, which is something I I feel I really feel uh, deeply about because in the end it really like we need to reintroduce the notion of right symbols and that's because symbols really are meant to be unifying. And I think in, in modernity, we've, we've allowed symbols to be politicized both within and without the church. A symbol now is no, is now appropriated for a particular meaning to, to, to remove yourself and to, to make yourself like separate from someone else. It divides, Essentially, rather than what it's meant to do is unify, and symbol also is meant to it communicates something deeper, right? It, it, it like you might not even be able to rationally recognize it right away. And I feel like a lot of things would implicitly start to happen in liturgy just because of this one small move. It would also like reintroduce like the mass really is a dialogue. Like, when the yeah. priest turns around and says, the Lord be with you, it's it's meant to, like, reintroduce this dialogue. And I think this would be really good. Um, and I also think, in the end, it, it's something we actually already do with adoration. No one complains about the back uh, facing uh, the people during adoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually believe, I don't know, I really think that that one move could actually heal a lot. I don't even know what it would all bring, but I just really believe it would heal a lot. So I just want to, yeah, that was, just been, it's been hanging in my mind since that conversation. Not that it's always there. Right. But I'm just like getting more and more convinced of this.
1: Oh yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. As far as like, that's what we should be doing. I think that's what the missile itself implies. That's been the tradition of Christian worship since we've been worshiping as Christians. Um, and there's no reason not to do it whatsoever, except for, no, practically speaking, there's no reason not to do it. Um, so... Yes, I read all that, but you know, let me just be really honest and really selfish for a second. Um, I like ad orientum because I actually can pray the mass that way. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I do my best to say reverent mass, but there is an entirely different feel uh, when you are facing the people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's because symbols are powerful and they evoke something. It feels like I am saying the words for them Mm -hmm. now stick with me here for a second um most of the liturgy like 90 percent of the liturgy um we are addressing god the father Mm -hmm. the idea is that you know we are the body of christ taken up in christ taken up in christ's worship of the father all Mm -hmm. within the holy spirit right yeah and um every time i think every time um the priest says lord he's referring to god the father and there is a completely different feel when I am not facing the people, when I am talking to God, it is much, much easier to pray. Mm -hmm. And it makes way more sense of what I am doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is not to say like, I don't like, what benefit is it to the people to face them in worship?
0: I mean, I, I hear arguments about how it's about, you know, celebrating the community. But that's not what mass is. I know. I'm just like I'm just you know playing right, right yeah. Here you know it's like I think that's a big one. Uh, they just like to see his face for some weird reason. Uh, yeah, I, I would prefer my face. I am not to be I am seen.
1: a handsome priest, but we don't need to be looking at my face the entire no,
0: time. No, no. Um, There's
1: no point in that.
0: I mean, I even go so far as to say I think even some of the prayers of the Eucharistic prayer could be said in a lower voice. Sure. It but let's stick with yeah. Sorry, but anyways, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's stick with I This is my thing. I have. Yeah. I think in the end, it's just what we're used to, and so yeah. it's why we want it. Absolutely, and I, I don't. Now I understand that's not that. a good, but that's not good reasoning. No. Um
1: and it, like, it's when I turn and face the people, like it feels more genuine when I'm talking to them. Like it just the whole energy makes way more sense this way, um, and I know people feel weird about it because it's new and whatever and also i will affirm your idea about it being somewhat healing for um people who are used to the uh traditional latin mass if you will uh, because my parish has been getting a lot of refugees from hmm. uh tlm areas we do a first friday mass which is at orientum
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it'll there'll be a lot of people there for that mm-hmm. uh, so i get to experience that <laughs> At least once uh, or so a month, and it's really, really, really good, um, and yeah, no. So I totally agree with with this, and it's it. The more and more I think about, it, the more outraged I am that we don't do it um, yeah. because it's just silly.
0: And I think this is the thing. Like the whole movement of the dialogue just makes more sense because, like, like it's funny. It's like um, there are even certain parts of the dialogue where I am addressing Jesus or the or the Father. Sure. But because you're looking outward, I think sometimes I would not be surprised if I did a little survey. Some people would think, "Oh, yeah, you're actually addressing us." It's like, no, oh, absolutely, yeah. They oh, think no, no, that. but actually, no. That's not. That's actually not what we're doing here. Um, so I, it's just, I, in the end, like these, the gestures, just even turning around, yeah, would be. Um, I was hearing that. So I guess I was hearing for some of the seminarians uh, that their the bishop, the uh, Ukrainian Eparch, did their retreat this year. And so they had a divine liturgy. And one of the priests was oh, explaining fine. that saying, uh, well, you might notice that the iconostasis is blocking uh, the, your vision of things. He goes, and that's, that's kind of the point. That's kind of the point. Like we need to reintroduce mystery, which means not seeing everything. Yeah. Right. And and, and that just subtle direction change could just communicate, I think just so much. So my little, uh, we've said it before, but I just, I, 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 I it has not lessened. It's only intensified for me over the years.
1: Mm-hmm. You got one? Yeah. I think right. we should drag every single Catholic uh, speaker, podcaster, philosopher, personality on the Internet. We should drag all of them. They should all be under constant what? scrutiny and how, constantly how being this? destroyed online.
0: Whoa. Okay, okay. Whoa whoa, 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 whoa. What's the theological opinion here?
1: Oh, um, this is more of a moral opinion, or I guess we're doing moral theology.
0: Okay, okay. I think it's
1: morally right to drag every single- Why? Catholic personality on Twitter. Why? To make sure that people don't like being popular. I want, to be a public figure should be only a burden and only a cross. You should get no enjoyment out of any kind of fame that you have from doing your ministry. Mm -hmm. And if you can't endure that, then you should stop doing it.
0: Okay. What about what about putting them under like some form of episcopal authority? You can do that too. That's fine. Wait, where's this coming from? Bias, what mob violence? Basically. Why are you Wait, saying this? Why oh are you my. saying this? Why are you saying this?
1: Why? Because I'm just feeling cranky about everybody who's on the internet and who's a popular Catholic. Like, there's all this stuff about um, either defending people on the internet or like I just you know what if we really think that other people's opinions don't matter that much then who cares if they all drag us this Uh might not be the most rational thought i've ever had
0: (laughs) yeah i like i i I get what you're trying to get at um Mm -hmm. i'm just like but where's the yeah um so what you're saying is you think catholic popularity is bad absolutely is dragging is dragging the right moral action probably not but it's what i want to see happen okay so what's the right moral action then
1: hmm what would the right moral action be i don't know like don't get me wrong I don't want to be so hypocritical because there are some people who say, you need to get off the internet and stop listening to my podcast. I'm like, that's dumb because you're doing a podcast. If you really want people to stop doing that, then you should stop yeah. doing your podcast. Right. Otherwise, you're a complete hypocrite. Yep. I'm not saying that there aren't like good resources out there on the internet. I mm-hmm. happen to think ours is a good resource out there as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just really frustrated with the um, Catholic celebrity class and... I think they should all feel bad about being popular. They should feel bad about it. They should hate it. It should be their cross. They should want to do ministry in spite of it, not because of it.
0: I... (laughs)
1: Listen, I didn't know we were doing this segment, so this is what's coming off the top of my head. I know. <laughs> I just, want Catholics I, I, to hate being popular with a burning passion, well, and if that takes a bunch of people
0: saying mean yes, things okay. about them on the internet, then so yeah, be yeah, it. Yeah, no, okay, but, but yeah, but um, saying mean things is not. In, then you're actually encouraging lack of virtue in others now too. So like, this isn't helping anybody in the end. So <sighs> this is why okay, I you're think you're probably I, right about that. Yeah. So this is why I, I, I think this is why like the being responsible to bishops thing is actually the more appropriate response. Like where you have to be under a, now, of course we know like, yeah, there's some bishops who would just be like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. Do whatever you want. And others who might overly micromanage someone or something like this. But I, I do think that there needs to be some form of ministry in this area. Like like, like by ministry, I mean like instituted ecclesial oversight. Because in the end, the only people who matter in the end, and I know people struggle right now with trusting said people, but uh, the guarantee of unity in the church is the Episcopacy, not the Catholic speakers. But who gets most of the attention? Catholic speakers. And so you start creating a second magisterium. Mm -hmm. And so why don't we put them under the magisterium?
1: I both, I mean, I agree with that, but okay, maybe this is because I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, and I'm feeling great. I didn't get a lot of sleep either, so we're um, on the same page uh, here. But, like, uh-oh, I don't know if I want to say the thing. I'm, oh, uh, oh, uh, um, hmm.
0: You want you say it, and then if you want to take it back, you can just tell Nick, please make sure to edit out this, this is, part this at this, this time. This is
1: personal feeling coming from okay. a place of, of, of frustration. Um, okay. Sometimes from reading, uh, excellently, uh, written stories from uh, the pillar uh, or just from other personal experiences but I'm kind of done about caring about bishops okay like don't get me wrong I'll be obedient and all that mm-hmm. good stuff happy but yes. you know what I do de- don't have any kind of now maybe word that respect is right um...
0: you're just indifferent
1: I just have very low opinions about. Okay, so in medieval times, like uh, if you look at the literature, like the uh, Canterbury Tales, mm-hmm. clerics are the butt of every joke. Yep. Because there's just this general cultural understanding that these guys don't know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. yeah, you need them for mass and stuff, but just to make fun of them and basically ignore them other than for those hurtful things. Need. Yep. That's where I'm at.
0: Like I'm, I don't, yeah, just, no, 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 I don't disagree yeah. with that. Like, I'm not saying yeah. make bishops more popular. I'm just saying use their authority as it's co- sacramentally constituted in the church to to put the place of ministry under them. On paper, I absolutely agree with you. And here's the but thing: if,
1: but Look, if bishops are going to nope. mess up how de- how to deal with, and so you want accusations you want the speakers,
0: of you, priests, you want the priests, you want these speakers to suffer. They're going to suffer more under like episcopal incompetence then they will be dragged online
1: yeah okay sure if we're going to use my my my, my cranky uh, logic that <laughs> makes sense but if if but if bishops can't even handle how to deal with a priest who's either credibly or uncredibly accused then they're not gonna be able to deal with w- popular media or preaching if they're not going to preach themselves in a way that's meaningful yeah. like we shouldn't have to there shouldn't have to be catholic speakers like the the Bishops should be doing this and preaching and actually
0: being pastoral. Yes. So here's the thing. It needs to to be happening a lot more locally. Sure. Like, I think, I think, I think there is something to the fact that like it was Fulton Sheen who was like the popular Catholic for a while. He was a bishop. Like, I think that was actually kind of a cool thing. Um, I, I, I I don't disagree with the struggle around Catholic celebrity. Mm. I'm actually kind of with you there. I've had experiences where you know some big speaker comes into my diocese, charge a lot of money, and then you don't really see any actual real fruit of it. And I'm listening to them like I literally just preached this, and actually probably I'm gonna toot my own horn just a little bit here. dude I preached I preached that this last like last weekend or whatever, and I'm like, and I I did a better job, and it was free. Yeah, because <laughs> the gospel's supposed to be free. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not so. Here's the thing: I'm not against Catholic speakers per se, but I think we need to be a lot more discerning about things. But it it's a bigger problem than just Catholic speakers. It's the whole capitalism and ministry coming together and having a baby, and having a sin baby. <laughs> uh, and I think we oh, have to be cringe. a lot more discerning about how this all works. And I think speaking and stuff needs to be happening a lot more locally because the gospel speaks to particular situations and stuff like this. And I think, and because what happens is the celebrity becomes, this is actually part of the reason why, while we receive Patreon, for example, in our show, Mm -hmm. you and I don't get a penny from it. No. And And we don't want a penny from it no right and this is part of the reason we don't want to depend on any of that on purpose because we have seen where it becomes a livelihood for some people not just clerics but also for lay people they need the clicks they need the engagement because they need to sell ads or whatever to rightfully rightfully feed their family but the problem is especially in today's ecclesial environment cliques only tend to sell in extremism. Yeah. Um and I don't think that's a good thing. And I often don't think it's the catholic way anyways. But when you become because what happens is I think sometimes again try not to universalize too much a, a speaker can forget that they are the mouth not the voice right that mm-hmm. they are the two, the instrument by which the word speaks they're not the word yeah but some some of them and you see it yeah confuse the two and become the word and this is where institutional oversight needs to start happening i think like and then the right proper sense, like this is, i don't want it to be bureaucratic i want it to be sacramental i want it to be rooted in the nature of the church herself to start guiding these questions more and I, because this i mean this gets to the even bigger problem of the church doesn't take the internet seriously at all right at all and it doesn't see it as a problem and then they wonder why things are breaking down in their pews well it's because everyone's getting their content online because they're getting crappy preaching in the parishes they're getting crappy liturgy they're getting they're not getting the faith
1: right so and we're just sticking our heads
0: in the sand. And so they go to this stuff. And then they find these people who give them really good fruit initially. Then some of these people go off the rails. We saw yeah. this in the last few weeks, for example, right? Like it's just – you're like – and they follow along because they haven't received what they need locally. And that is a judgment then also against us as clerics, et cetera, right. local right. dioceses, et cetera. Essentially – so it's not just a speaker problem. It's an ecclesial problem. Absolutely that we are sticking our heads in the sand and, and not willing to address
1: right because it it, because it's so far beyond the experience of uh many in the hierarchy that it's just ignored or not understood or they just get hints yeah. that this group of people is angry at you
0: okay and they won't, but they won't out. listen when you actually say this is actually a problem we need to learn how to address this better
1: yeah well i, I mean part of it must be that they don't want any more problems they got enough problems oh, that they can see and that which i do understand uh, but, you know, we you know, in my diocese, there's still, and it's actually a, a young priest who, um, still does work, um, for the bishop doing things like imprimaturs and reading stuff and, and handling that. There's no reason why you couldn't recruit a, or assign a priest, um, who is capable of this sort of thing to do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but also, it's man. Maybe this is just Father Anthony cranky segment. Maybe Nick should change the bumper to Father Anthony is cranky about things. Uh, but even even so, there the church is so divided uh, politically mm-hmm. that it's hard mm-hmm. to trust anybody's opinion about these things. It's just
0: right. I'm very cranky. I'm very but this cranky. is why, like the earlier thing around the notion of like recapturing the notion of symbol properly mm-hmm. is so vital. Yeah. But we're not doing. It. We're we're just entering into political fights still,
1: mm-hmm. because the gospel doesn't actually matter.
0: Exactly. <laughs> what well, matters to us, right? 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 Sorry, that was a yeah. We very much, <laughs> and hopefully, it matters to our listeners, et cetera. I, I know, think it does. I think it does too. I, I just I, I didn't want us to get canceled for like, besmirching every single Catholic speaker that's out there, essentially, because there are some. No, good ones I want to be canceled. No, no. There are some good ones who <laughs> are rightly ordered, and we absolutely, them. absolutely,
1: and they're and they're doing good stuff and doing good work. Yeah. I just want everybody to hate being famous. That's what I want. You should despise it. Oh yeah. In your who, body. Who,
0: who, who? This is my thing. Who wants more work? Right. I don't. I have plenty going on. So let's see what happens okay, after let's this. Let's move on this, to this your drop. topic. Let's, 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 let's go stop. on to my topic. All right. <laughs> let's go into presbyteral exhortations. <sighs> All right, I'm going to um, – so I've been reading a book with some friends. Uh, it's a book I read a long time ago, and it's by Romano Guardini. Oh, I like him. Yes, he's good. He's a big 20th century theologian. And, and so I've um, been reading End of the Modern World. Have you heard I, or read uh, of this book? No, the only thing
1: I've read by him is his um, Life of Christ.
0: Oh, The Lord? The Lord, guess, yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. I've read some stuff from him. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, a lot of it's interesting. A lot of his stuff's still not uh, translated into English. It's still, and this is the best. This is why you need to learn about the German drinking culture because while he has an Italian name, he was born and raised in Germany. He speaks German. Oh, he's He's, one of those. He's from Northern, Northern, Northern Northern Germany, right? Which is just on the border of Italy. Anyways. So this book was written in, I believe, 1949. And he's talking about, with the end of the modern so he he doesn't he doesn't talk about post-modernity he has i think a little aside about that and says no post-modernity is actually just um it's just modernity intensified Mm -hmm. actually so don't no i'm not talking about that i'm saying modernity itself is coming to an end like 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 we are going into a distinctively new age in civilization Hmm. and for him the book is kind of tracing this kind of genealogically. So like, it's just like, here's what difference of like, it's going grand scope narrative stuff. Like how was the ancient world what was the medieval world. Like what was the modern enlightenment project like, and where are we coming into now? And it's been fast. I'm only halfway through. I am this like, the it's one of those books where I'm reading. I'm like I'm doing it for, for the sake of some friends to help them with something. And then I, it is serving a little bit the thesis so I can justify it. A it's, it's going outside my usual rule right now, which is I'm not reading anything. If it has nothing, if it has anything to do, it doesn't have anything to do with my thesis, yeah. but, um, I'm really, I'm really going back to it because I think, I think his thesis is right because the thesis is essentially to say that we are entering into what he calls the age of the mass man, like, mm. and by mass, not like the liturgy yeah, <laughs> or, you know, uh, uh, big Chungus, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> uh, but rather, everyone will be hefty. Everyone will be hefty. My big hefty son. Uh, um, <laughs> but rather, that man is entering into an age whereby he loses personality and culture, and a sense of the, of nature, as we've traditionally had it, and yearns towards technocratic solutions manipulation of the world for his own ends, and anonymity. And in this, he is trying to lay the groundwork for which what he thinks the church will be entering into with all this. And I believe it's in the second half of the book where he really goes into this, which is to say that the Christian um, will be living the exact same attitudes and realities that the non-Christian is they're going to feel the same absence of God, the distance of God. They're going to feel everything that the modern, the, the not even like the new, we're, I don't even know what to call it. Like uh, that's because not a new age, uh, new era, new epoch, maybe. Yeah. Um, is the Christian is going to experience everything the non-Christian experiences except They'll do it through the intensity of faith, whereby faith is going to increasingly become this all-or-nothing solution. That he calls it almost like a new paganism. He says it's not, a, and it's I, I, where I really preach because I actually agree with him. I hate when people's like, "Oh, you know, these people are pagan. It's like, no no, 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 hold on, hold on, no, 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 paganism is an old worldview that's dead and can't come back. It's yeah. impossible. Uh, anybody who's coming back with paganism nowadays is is larping yeah. uh, the ancient world. It's because the the cosmos, our experience of the cosmos and the universe is just utterly changed. Um, but rather new paganism, which is that it is trying to forget, in a Nietzschean sense, is trying to forget Christianity ever existed. And it, so it violently tries to push it away. Mm-hmm. Um. And so the book is kind of exploring the situation and what it means. And I think it's just, you know, um, maybe I break down a couple of concepts here. But I, I think there are some times in the book, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know about this or not. Again, he's writing his 49. But like a lot of this is weirdly prescient in many ways. Like he's talking about technology and the internet's not even a, a sparkle in Al Gore's eye, you know. <laughs> it's like some <laughs> of the best jokes you've ever made. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but it's like it, it, it's it's it, he, but he's right about, but he's already experienced like mass media, um, popular culture in the sense of of people are all doing the same things. Like we think we're all being individualistic. But everyone, like everyone who thinks they're being individualistic, is getting tattoos.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not a unique thing anymore. It's like it's telling your own personal story, maybe, but um, that's about it. It's only personal narrative without any connection to the whole anymore. So he's saying, like, essentially, there's going to be no more grand. There is a grand narrative of mass man, but it's mass man that whereby I just want to kind of survive through life. I want to be anonymous. I don't want to be known and this is where it gets to the christian faith are preaching around well you know you gotta desire god uh you gotta you know god loves you and he wants you to encounter that that is quickly dying as a convincing statement
1: yeah absolutely
0: and we keep on preaching the gospel as if people still hear those things so i mean i got more to say but i was just you know there's a lot there
1: there is a lot there um I mean, that's, I've experienced a kind of feeling about that, that last point you made about like God loves you and that kind of seemingly to fall flat, um, that sometimes it, it feels like there's an impotence with that kind of uh, preaching and it becomes more and more desperate where people are really, really, really trying to sell you Jesus in that way but they are getting yeah. no buyers. So they keep over promising what the gospel really is and end up mutating it into some sort of prosperity thing or whatever else. So I've experienced that. Um, it's interesting, this idea of anonymous, desiring to be anonymous, desiring not to be known. And I think it's true in our culture now, but in a weird way uh, where we definitely want to be known for something, but not for who we are, because that's terrifying actually being known is is a terrifying experience right uh, because they realize there's not much there Um,
0: or or if the way we politicize action words etc nowadays we put such a heavy i think it's um it's almost like on the verge of idolatry the way the weight we put on on words and actions nowadays I'm afraid to be known. I'm afraid to take the risk of being known because if I become known, I'll be canceled. I will be rejected. I will be, I'll be attacked uh, for something in my past or something I've said, whatever it might be. And I, I, and I think that's a lot of it. So like, it's easier just to put, to lay your head low. Yeah. But I also think the desire
1: for fame is another way to remain anonymous it's it's a kind of a grand smoke screen it's this very large mask it's kind of like hiding in plain sight in a sense that you don't become a a person people know a personality people know a gimmick people know a style yeah Um, but they don't know you it's almost like this very masterful way of hiding in plain sight
0: it's it's um i saw it was like a little clip one day it was like someone was wanting a picture with Ben Affleck or something like that. And he's playing all nice and he's putting a, a show on essentially to me and the fan. And the second the fan walks away and he's back on his own or he's with the people he knows or whatever. He just like, not only does he like turn off the smile, but he looks almost like depressed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I saw that right? picture. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's like, and so it's just like, it's just notion of, I, I got to put on a mask. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a, that ancient notion of person, like persona, the mask but it's a it's a it's a new twisting because now that we actually know what person is we're actually trying to reject it mm-hmm. right and, and so the anonymous culture uh bureaucratizes to the nth degree and i just want to be a part of the machine
1: mm-hmm.
0: i need that's all that's that's where i'm going to be free if i can just you know buy my house do my thing like be content in life and not desire and so this is the thing I think actually it's going to be harder and harder to preach about desire because people actually don't, because modernity has essentially given people what they want, or at least sorry, it's convinced them to stop desiring in exchange for sacrificing desire, which I think really becomes truly known because of Christianity uh, as a concept. It's, it's no longer like this explosion and revelation of human desire towards God, but now it's uh, it's a, I see that's there, but if I live for that, that re- that's going to require a sacrifice, pain, and risk that I don't want. And so I'm going to sacrifice this. I'm going to put this to the side in exchange for a house, a nice trip to Hawaii once a year, a car, one or two kids, or a bunch of pet dogs, you know, who I'll call my fur babies. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and that this is going to become the, the, and I, I think this is where he's right. I think it's becoming the cultural air we breathe. So but where it comes really important for the Christian is we need to like we need to wake up and smell the coffee of, of whatever this we want to call this new era or epoch we're kind of emerging into, which is desireless, anonymous, almost personless um, and learn to accept that that's what we're experiencing as well. which means a great vulnerability on the part of the Christian to actually expose themselves to God and to their fellow Christian to become a kind of oasis that says like, cause then the atheists will say, well, why are you this way? Like you seem to be at peace despite the existential angst that hangs over all of us and You'll say, well, no, I experienced the exact same thing, but Christ has entered into that. And that's where I stand. <sighs>
1: yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, It's the one thing that I think, if as long as Christians are honest, that it's a great point of contact with unbelievers is the pain that we experience. Yeah. <laughs> because it's the same pain. Yeah. Um, uh, there's that. I'm also thinking about the thought of an- anonymity, um, of lack of desire, and the phenomenon of um, an in- intense desire to be a part of a group um you see it in america very much so politically Mm -hmm. Uh, this intense desire to both be known as something and to be known to hate something else Um, that's the the motivating factor of being a part of a group and hating the out group Mm -hmm. um there is a desire there uh Right? Or how would you?
0: Absolutely. And I think it it actually speaks, like in some ways, what's been really interesting is there's almost, people are almost fed up with individualism in a weird way. Um, I think uh, it speaks to our human intuition that man is by his nature social and that I can only survive. I can only truly be saved if I'm part of a larger interpretation of the world that's greater than myself. The problem is that transcendence doesn't leave this world. And so it doesn't point to where it's meant to go and thus becomes futile and meaningless in the end which makes you even more um <laughs> nihilistic etc in yeah. the end because like all there is is raw power that i get to have a share in somehow rather than i'm encountered by a god who breaks in mm-hmm. who enters into this condition and tries to draw me out into new life and who um and who is the overarching story to life like it's it's about rediscovery like it's been interesting, I guess, like as I'm discovering more about this notion of narrative and culture, how actually much we play into this as people just naturally. Um, it can happen even in, in, in at home with our families. Like this is why in the Old Testament, your who you are is determined in many ways by who you come from, your family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually still true. We just tend to try to push it down a lot more today. The yeah. majority just sets – this is the other thing. We're placeless, right? We have no place. We, we are – on the move we have and you need to stand in this in a place to enter into relationship right uh if you have no place to stand you you have nowhere to really um to enter into relationship anymore um yeah and so that's that adds to the anonymity it's like okay well then everyone else is places let's just be, be paceless and anonymous all this together um but for the Christian here in all of this, we need to actually start being more honest with ourselves. And I, I and this is where it's hard because this is where I think some of the generational divides come from, whereby the older generation doesn't really... Either can't... Doesn't experience it or is unable to be aware of how this is actually at play in their lives. Where, well, I go to Mass every Sunday... I, I give money, you know. I say my prayers at night, but that's the extent of discipleship. That's I've, I've bracketed my my Christian thing in the midst of mm-hmm. other things. But therefore, but like, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but it's like because it's unconscious. Often, we have actually yeah. by bracketing Christianity, you cease being Christian, <laughs> right? And and so, you, um, but to break that open for people of maybe an older generation is is very hard to do. And you have to be careful with this too. Sure. Yeah. Because if you you break, if you break the shell too hard, everything can crumble and nothing can be built back up and it's, their faith is gone completely.
1: Right. And also like that view of Christianity is something that has been fed to them over the years as well. Exactly. So it's not just like a, it's a rebuke of everything they've been kind of told implicitly or explicitly was right. what it means to be a good Christian. Right. And so that's a, that's a tough thing to deal with.
0: Right. And so, but with modernity as, or so whatever age we're in, I guess we should say that's, or we're emerging into, it's kind of like a mix. Mm-hmm. It's not like a clearly delineated thing. Um, we, to be a Christian now, because this new era exists as a direct rejection of Christianity and almost like I'd call it like a, it's um it's it really is idolatrous because it takes that social nature of man that's so essential to being christian yeah and universalizes it in mass man it's like it's a it's not just a character it's like a it's a demonic almost tearing down of what it is to be the church it's like it's the opposite right mm-hmm. mass man instead of church where the individ- an anonymity instead of person mm-hmm. right um Manipulation of nature that doesn't communicate anything is just there for you to use as you see fit, versus uh, matter as like transparent towards the divine and actually carries symbolic meaning within and of itself by virtue of our encounters with it as human beings. You start to see like that this whole culture then becomes um, a, a rising competition with Christianity, but Christianity is always faith in the world. Yeah. And so to be Christian means we have to accept that that's where we're And two, oh
1: Oh man. Um, and how much of a lot of popular movements or even speakers or whatever you want to call it is desperately trying to reject what the world is. Like it's, it's like almost like there's a still a chance to reforge it into something that it's not right. Um, and that's different. Uh, like, I think there's a, grain of truth in that in as much as the church is meant to transform the world. um, But you can't change the world if you don't accept where it is now. Yes. And how that affects us
0: now. And that you have to willing, like this is a kenosis. Yeah. You have to enter into this. Yeah. It's why I think honestly and truly, I think, there's a reason, and it's been interesting. I was saying to some friends the other day, it's weird that it's women, and it's women with the name Teresa that God's been doing this through, where there's been <laughs> intensification of darkness in spiritual, in the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. and I think it, it intensifies the most in, in Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is all meant to be symbolic of what God sees coming from the church and through that kind of line of spirituality there i mean saint therese at the end of her life right she had like and i uh, someone was saying to me the other day that the only true argument against nietzsche and this kind of because this is the thing this is all nietzschean yeah because nietzsche was actually incredibly insightful and it's why he is he's right actually i think in all this that the only his whole point is not to be atheist as if god doesn't exist but it's to be atheist, like against god yeah We need to remove God from our memory and we need to violently take away Christianity. And it's all it's forms. We need to stop remembering it. So we need to destroy its memory, its texts, its cultural impact because so much of what we have in modernity actually, like, like enlightenment wanted to say, we want Christian values without Christianity essentially. Not realizing Christian values actually come from Christianity. It's not possible to know (laughs) this without revelation. Um, And we're starting to see the outturn of that, but, but like, so, but we're, this Nietzschean notion is like we have to actually violently push God away and that that's what we live in as Christians now. And if we live in that as Christians, we have to recognize that desire almost to push God away. Like that's where the desires thing comes out. It's actually not, it's actually like allowing sin to take on its true form, which now makes choosing Christ all the more, revealing in one's life and all the more totalizing because Uh you now start to experience in the very self what it actually means to be christian which is to say i choose him over everything and i will reject anything that removes that that puts me towards that path of real rejection but i can only do that when i recognize how much i actually want to push god away I, i want to violently remove him from my life only when that Real acknowledgement begins. Does Christian? Does the Christian life begin for the Christian in the world? Thereby, now, because then, apologetics in, in a way is not just like, "Oh, I want to talk about the truth of faith rationally." No, no one cares about reason anymore, folks. Sorry, <laughs> wish I could, wish I could, wish it was, but it, no one cares about reason anymore. It, reason's dead. It's all power. Apologetics is, but it's you know, it's always going to have to. It's good. It's always going to have a semblance and a working reason. Will. Um, it's about clearing the the brush to this point and you can only do that when you know it deep down in the depths of your own being I like it so (laughs) I mean so it's just it's interesting because I think um, in one way I don't think we've seen anything yet
1: oh as far as where the world is where it's going
0: and where Christianity is going?
1: Yeah, no, 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 we we are still on the edge of something. We haven't fallen off it yet.
0: We're we're starting to fall off it. Mm-hmm. little or rocks are falling off the edge a little bit. But, yeah, and this is but this is the thing. This is not meant to be uh, pessimistic either. No, oh, no, because it's really about acknowledging the truth of life, the truth of the situation we're in, and only by doing that. Uh, Christianity starts to be itself, which means that we start organizing and acting the church as she's meant to be because we start to see how she does actually offer up a real apologetic, a real separate, not separation, but a real counterpoint to everything the world is and that that narrative of the church, of Christ himself, as the overarching narrative of life becomes all the more important and determining for everyone's life. And that, so the things that make Christianity truly herself which is like locality like place like re- rediscovering the the need for place right as as like yeah. and, and and stability um humility uh kenosis and emptying and and the this sharing in Christ's mission that that's what the church's nature is that's when the church will be most herself and i think will actually be the most attractive so guardini thinks that the age we're entering into is going to be the age of the greatest saints ever mm hmm because we're going to be, for the first time, really experiencing not just externally in terms of opposition, but also internally knowing that opposition and choosing Christ in the midst of that darkness. Because at the end of it all, that's, Christ is there. He enters into the nothing and imbues it with a meaning and a positivity, actually, and says, that, no- that precipice of nothing that you tend towards as a human being, because... You are limited. So there is right. a nothingness within you. Christ is there. Yeah. And it's actually not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Because mm-hmm. that's where grace comes in. Yes. So.
1: And you were worried you didn't even
0: have a topic today. That was great. <laughs> yes. Well, one of the friends is like, oh, can we change our time today? And I'm like, hey, yeah, I can talk about the book. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, End of Modern World by Romano Guardini. Uh, really interesting book. I think we need. I think it's a good book to wrestle with.
1: I agree. Hey, before we do our normal sign off, I have an announcement to make. Oh. Um, as some listeners may know, I uh, occasionally co-host uh, a little podcast All with right. Taylor Schroll known as Forte Catholic. And the big announcement is that Taylor and I are going to Rome. In fact, we're going to Rome, Assisi, Florence, and Tuscany next year. So June nineteenth. Through the 29th, 2023, Mm -hmm. um, we are going on uh, this pilgrimage. It's going to be half pilgrimage, half hanging out in Italy is the plan. So I'll be there. Taylor Scholl will be there. And uh, for more information to sign up, um, check out uh, Select International Tours. Uh, Phone number is 1-800-842-4842. Or you can email uh, Rebecca. That's R-E-B-E-C-C-A at select-intl.com um, and or just check out Taylor Schroll's website. He's got a bunch of stuff. Look up Forte awesome. Catholic. Find your way there. It should be a lot of fun. So
0: does this mean you'll be getting your passport soon? The plan is to do this tomorrow. Tomorrow's my day off. I'm going to get my picture taken and send it in. So does this mean you might be able to possibly come out during Lent?
1: Absolutely. That's, it's a very possible thing. We'll, 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 more on that later. All
0: right. All right. Um, but no, that's a great uh, select tours that are Scotland trip. Okay, good. that was great. Yeah, it was great. So I highly encourage everyone to go. Awesome.
1: All right, guys, thanks for listening. Please leave a review. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies.
0: You can find me being cranky about things. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter, uh, hoping to heal the device that Father Anthony has created at Fr Harrison. Uh,
1: contact the podcast and receive updates at Clerical Pod on Twitter. Uh, pray for Father Anthony's cranky soul wherever you're at. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at ClericallySpeakingGmail.com. At Do you have a theological emergency? And we could use some more. Call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995 for your theological emergencies. Peace. God bless.